Hello, everyone. We have returned this week to talk about Walt Disney. We're going to talk about Walt. This is a Walt episode. Walt. We're going to do that by uh, listing some quotes that we think sort of embody his spirit. We've each picked a few, and we're just going to just going to chat about them and uh, and talk about what Walt means to the company, what he means to us, and what the quotes we picked mean about him. So um, looking forward to having that discussion, guys. It was a lot of fun. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can do so on our Facebook page at Talking Llamas, at the Facebook page is just Talking Llamas Podcast. Thomas and I are both on Facebook, him at Thomas Nelson, me, Robert Camozzi, and then you can go to our Instagram page at Talking Llamas Podcast. And then my Instagram is Da Disney Dad. That's just D-A Disney Dad. Um, and leave us a review, guys. We uh, we really appreciate any feedback, positive or otherwise. So um, rate and review, okay? Without any further ado, episode 20 of the Talking Llamas Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 20 of the Talking Llamas podcast. I am Robert Camozzi, and standing across from me is Thomas Nelson. Hey everybody. How's it going, Thomas? As always, it is going pretty well. No complaints. Just looking forward to this episode to, uh, well, we'll explain it in a bit. How are you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Anything on Disney Plus that we haven't talked about that you've uh, For me, n- I've been fairly busy. I've gotten into my smart guy episodes about 20 minutes so it's easy to get those and i watched uh, star wars phantom menace this week uh which is just the first in the marathon i'm gonna do before what uh, rise of skywalker skywalker yeah he walks on the sky that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah i don't know how one does that but it's gonna be fun i have i'm fairly far down that road now i only have three movies left so i i finished empire strikes back and then now it's Return of the Jedi and then the two most recent ones. So Yeah. So I'm almost there. I've How are you liking them so far? I actually like them way better than I thought I was going to. I may have to redact my former statements of I I have long trolled Star Wars fans just because just to get a rise out of people really. I mean, I've never really been a huge fan of Star Wars, but I've like sort of actively I've acted as if I disliked it just to kind of get a rise out of people. And uh, I can no longer do that. I've, I'm really enjoying it, actually. And I don't know if it's watching it chronologically or what it is exactly, but um, it's been it's been a rewarding experience, I would say. I don't know how forgiving Star Wars fans are, especially the many thousands who listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes. But let's hope for your sake that they are. Yes. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I seem to remember myself giving myself in recent episodes the door you know like hey i'm gonna walk through the door that i like it just come back to the movies with an open mind yeah and i had that same approach i'm not sure if i talked about it but that's how i went into these and yeah i mean aside from attack of the clones they're all pretty pretty watchable between watchable and and very good so 
Yeah, you, you know, when I watched Phantom Menace, the uh, I forget the the Queen Queen Padme. The yeah, yeah. I, there were times. I mean, later on, it's revealed that she, there's a decoy, but the, during the uh, the movie up to that point, I was noticing that that's not Natalie Portman. Yeah. Or, no, wait, that is Natalie Portman as yes. the Queen. So it was switching back and forth. So that was fun. Yeah. That well, was a lot of- just wait because. Attack of the Clones is, uh, the, the dynamic between Anakin and Padme is, it's... Oh, I'm looking forward to treat. it. It's a treat. It's a real treat. You'll see. Uh, how many times have you watched Frozen in anticipation for Frozen 2? So far, uh, zero. Yes. Well, you've seen it, but not recently. I haven't seen it in preparation. <laughs> Always just yes. for entertainment. Um, no, I don't know that I'm going to... Well, I guess I'll, I will see it, but I don't know when when I'll see it. Frozen, you, you have yeah, and you have your tickets already. Yes, the the tradition is November the November Disney movie. They always release some movie in December, and uh, we always go to see that on Thanksgiving morning. So that will continue, and then it just happens to be Frozen. So we already have our tickets. I'll rewatch Frozen. They release it in November. The movie is released in November. Yeah, yeah. so like last you year said it was December, re- but they do also a December movie. I think usually maybe. I guess well, that year would be Star Wars. This, this year, year Star Wars. Wars. I think Mary Poppins last year. Um, so I just wanted to clear up any possible confusion there. But I, I, I'll i rewatch Frozen. I'm not like the, a huge Frozen fan, but I'll rewatch it in anticipation. Um, I'm, I guess I'm in, interested to see what they do with it. it. It's never been my favorite. I've never been that into it. There are people who certainly like it more than I do. What about you? The movie? Frozen um, 1, the original. I'm fine with it. It's not. It's definitely not one of my favorites. I don't think it needed another movie. No, no, neither um, do I. They're I mean, already talking about there being a Frozen Three. Yeah, uh, but we've talked about sequels, and frankly, I'm tired of talking about it at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Frozen or Tangled? I'm. Mm, they're maybe Tangled, but just by a little bit, like mm. by a point. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I I do enjoy Frozen. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's not a movie I long to rewatch. Though. Yeah, I never want to really rewatch it. It doesn't feel rewatchable to me. For for me personally, I know a lot of people enjoy it, but for me, it doesn't. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel a little bit of rewatchability there. It's not like the live action Lion King. I don't want to watch that again. Yeah, I just don't. That's not even on Disney Plus. I don't know if it'll be there eventually. Interesting. Is the live action? I don't think is the live action. I, on there? I didn't. I don't remember seeing I it. Seen but it. Now that you're saying it. it it seems like it might be there. It could, if it's on Netflix, then it's not going to be on Disney Plus yet. Oh, that's true. The Return of Jafar is on there, which is all you really need. Yeah, you know they're they're thinking about doing a sequel to the live action Aladdin. Yeah, I've talked about this. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but that's just madness. I mean, well, and it's going to be in line with Return of Jafar. Oh my gosh! Now that's what I gathered from a headline. So you know, take that when with a grain this? of salt. About a couple of days ago, and I saw it on Facebook. So. You know, take that too. So we'll, yeah. see, we'll see what happens. I, the only way I saw any of Aladdin the first the first live action was because we were on an airplane. Did you Did you hear it? Um, were you able to hear it? Yeah, and you did. I at had some the point, headphones. Right? Yeah, yeah. You didn't have the headphones. I didn't. Uh, so you were just uh, watching it. But that's without. I would watch Lion King, the live action Lion King, ten times over before I'd watch the Aladdin again. I just have no interest. It wasn't awful, but it just, it's just it's. It wasn't great. It was sort of like, there were some movies along the same lines that I had seen as a kid, live action. There was a genie and everything. It felt like that. It wasn't a top quality Disney film. It was just a throwaway 
live action. We're going to make a little bit of money off this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not into it at all. I really, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't remember like Star it. Wars. I never enjoyed, no, no, no. This is different. This is different. We'll see. Um, Okay, well, I mean, moving on to the main sort of body of the episode, we today want to talk about Walt Disney. Um, the way we decided to do that was to sort of each pick a few quotes that we think sort of embody a, a, maybe a certain part of his spirit or or the way he lived his life, um, things about him or maybe quotes, things... Quotes from him yeah, that encapsulate yes. what we believe to be important qualities that people love about him if even if they can't articulate it yeah exactly so that will uh that that'll be what today's episode's about and we'll use each quote as kind of a springboard to talk about certain things about walt that we might uh you know find interesting or that we we enjoy about his story so why don't you go why don't you go first i want you to go first today okay why why do you want me to go first i don't know i feel like it okay i don't always feel i feel like it today okay this one's I think this one's pretty, well, I'll just say it. All the adversity I've had in my life, all my troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. And I think that that is sort of informed by certainly his early years. Um, and, you know, he in some of his early dealings, he went bankrupt and he was... Uh, like sleeping in his his studio and uh, bathing once a week at a train station and (laughs) I mean that sort of thing and to me I think that those experiences in his in his early life and really I mean he had uh, maybe not things that were as disastrous as that but small failings along the way uh, that informed his later life and it seemed like strengthened his resolve in doing things later uh in his life it was you know when it comes to snow white or, or or disneyland those those are two things that really stick out that you know the 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 stack the what's the deck was stacked against him so to speak often later in life and i feel like those sorts of experiences uh you know informed how he would deal with things later well, I think that, yeah, you're right. The experiences are important. And I had the same quote, but I have some other thoughts on it. Um, I think that underneath the experiences, the things that got him through it and transcending the failures was courage, drive, belief in his ideas and what he was doing and the people he had around him. Uh, I think all of that combined, the failures and whatnot, it, and the willingness to learn, by the way, puts you in a position to treat a failure even if it's retroactively as a learning experience and i think the courage and the drive that he had to keep going is what just got him past the point where normal people would probably stop yeah pursuing whatever dream they have well and failure can be a prerequisite for success and i i think for him that is definitely true uh he, he was he was not you know a success right off the bat he had many well let's think about this example he lost oswald the lucky rabbit yeah i was just about to mention that and that's why i cut you off um, and then he got mickey mouse out of it in the end yes. and here we are almost 100 years later mickey mouse is still being celebrated and adored by n- new generations yeah 
and the best Oswald gets is he's like in the corner of California Adventure every once in a while. But even he's exiting. coming back. So Walt, I mean, if Walt were still alive, which would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, I mean, that that's kind of cool too. That even the the failure, quote in quotes, that he had yeah. is now no longer really that much of a failure. Yes, it all came full circle. No, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I was just being silly. Um, but yeah, no, and I think that that's, that's one of the more popular quotes quotes that you'll see from him. So I'm not surprised that you also had that one. And I, I the quotes I picked, I tried to put a sentence. I tried to split them up and then sort of expand on them in my on my computer when I was thinking about them and typing out my thoughts. And so I put up like a sentence trying to summarize what I thought was the essence of each one. For this yeah. one, I put... Um, the recognition that anything and everything can serve a purpose. Yeah. And so I think that's what, like even the failure, if you don't see the purpose now, you you may see it later. Well, and that you may not realize it when it happens sort of thing. Like when you're in something that's that seems terrible. Mm-hmm. It, it, you're no narrow-minded. Way. Yeah, well, there's no way to foresee how that might turn in your favor down the road. You yeah. Know? So uh, I think it's important to remember that. I mean, as hard as it is in the moment, it's important to remember... Uh, that this, in the end, could could turn out to be good for you or or whatever. So and there's in the in the forties with the strike too. That's another. Yeah, that's another bit of adversity. In World War Two, not being able to make the films he wanted to make, having to have the studio basically taken over by the military. Yeah, and they, he eventually turned that into making propaganda films. So they were able to keep people working and get the disney name out there still use the characters but yeah and make things in the spirit of his sort of in his spirit and in the spirit of the company still and to me that's that's him learning the lesson of the failures he already had in the presence of adversity if not a a failure yeah Mm -hmm. or kicking the teeth as he says yeah all right is that all you have for that one yeah i I think we've Uh, i combined two and I feel like you probably have one of these. Okay. Um, I'll say the first one and then I'll, because they go together. So the first one is, and I, many people have heard this, I'm sure, um, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. Yeah. And I guess I could talk about that one a little bit first. Um, to me, that's that's having a lot of confidence Yeah. in your ideas. And when I try to, and I wrote this down, and when I try to think about what that's like to have so much confidence that you will pursue this dream that other people would say is impossible or an idea that other people would say is impossible. Just any time in my own life where I know that something is possible for me. It doesn't have to be an impossible thing. Like, I know I can do this thing. There's no doubt. You just have no doubt in your mind. I think he had that quality, which is like, you know, we've done these things and we could probably, we can make this happen. And so we can make this happen attitude. And I actually really appreciate that. But coupled with that was another quote, which was, I wanted to retain my individuality. I was afraid of being hampered by studio policies. I knew if someone else got control, I'd be restrained. And so to me, that's the freedom to pursue those impossible, in quotes, dreams. Yeah. And without that freedom, I don't think it happens. So I think that's why he knew in, in deep down that he could do the impossible because he had the freedom with his guys, his team to make it at least try to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. And you know, with the Alice 
the latter quote that you had there, the Alice uh, productions that he had. The Alice uh, comedies. Yeah. When he was originally sort of selling those for people to distribute them, there was a lot of notes coming back to him, like, we need more of this and we need more of that. And his notes back were like, we're doing the best we can. Like, And you see later in his life, once he gained control, there's none of that. He's just going forward with what he thinks is best, and it usually seemed to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of goes in line with his confidence of, like, he seemed to know what needed to be done and how to do it the best or uh, – the control over his own creativity was good for him because he seemed to have a feel for what was going to work in that yeah. medium. Uh, and you, you see that a lot in in just once he got control of all of his his properties, basically, and his, uh, his, his own company and all of that. And to your, you know, the former quote about it's kind of fun to do the impossible, there's a lot of things that people... You know, when you read, I read that that biography, and you've read some of it as well. Um, but when you read that, it's sort of it's interesting to see how often he was doing things that people were like, "This is just not going to work." And he's like, "Well, we're just going to do it anyway," and yeah. it would work. And you know, in hindsight, obviously, like Snow White and Disneyland, you know, these things are thriving and worked out well. And so it's interesting to watch it to to read it. Or, or learn about it with that hindsight because it's like these people were so sure this was not going to work and for whatever reason he had the um the confidence to go through with them and um and we're lucky he did yeah so an example that i want to explore a little bit with you is snow white mm-hmm. so obviously making a full-length feature film hadn't really been done in the way that he was going to be doing it yes where there was this story that had lots of characters and you could relate to them and so on. Um, but he, he couldn't just make it. They didn't just get money. They had to get investors or an investor. I can't remember yeah. precisely to help them by funding the project. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that he had a knack for storytelling and knowing what would work. He had a feel for it. And he was able to bring that into a meeting with an investor and tell him the story, essentially what was going to be happening in the film and eventually that convinced the guy but he he had his knack but he also had the extreme confidence and obviously that shone through and this guy Bank of America right yeah I don't remember the guy's name who no, came in to but, see it but he did say it was going to make a hat full of money yeah and there and then it it did because exactly a hat full yeah I was right on I think we made that joke in the in the Snow Something White episode like but to me, that's that's uh, everything coming together. He has the confidence. He has the the know how. He has the um, apparently the intuition of storytelling. He he's learned it, but also he can feel when it's right and when it's wrong. And you can read that in the story notes of of, of that film. Well, and he had such an enthusiasm for his ideas. Enthusiasm, yeah, yeah. So that's that's even more just the belief in doing the quote impossible. Yeah, because that really is relative. Uh, you know, they call it Disney's folly, Snow White. But it wasn't, so obviously that was just an opinion. In yeah. a way, and it wasn't impossible to achieve this great thing. Well, yeah, and there's a first time for all these things. Um, you know, Knowing what we know now, it seems silly that they would say that a feature-length animated film wouldn't work. You know, uh, When something's unprecedented, it's, I understand. it's easy to... It, but for us, it seems silly. For back then, it's, it's 
amazing that he was able to sort of predict that, um, I well, guess. What do you think about this whole idea? Let me first say the sentence that I thought summarized it okay. before I forget, because I just want to read them all off. Uh, this one I said was the willingness and freedom to turn ideas into reality. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought. But what do you think about Disneyland, the, that whole project in this context? I think that that's such a, the vision he had probably back then seemed like such a crazy pipe dream. And the fact that they went so far over budget and, you know, I just, it's still when I was reading that in that biography, uh, I was really startled by how incredible an undertaking that was and how stressful that must have been and how much resolve and and strength of um strength of character it must have taken to to push through all of that you know everyone was telling him not to do it basically it seemed like or or were sort of like this isn't going to work and even with people sort of trying to talk him out of it on top of the fact that it hit a bunch of speed bumps in terms of like getting funding and all sorts of things he still saw it all the way through and it became a reality you see what I'm saying? Because he he knew it was a good idea. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he had he, the confidence, he, confidence, but he trusted that an idea that he really believed in deep down would be good. Well, and he had trust. It in seemed it. like only really he believed in. Like even like the people he was working with that were under him were sort of unsure of how viable the whole thing was. From what I could tell, obviously, mm. obviously it's hard to say, but they were they were skeptical of how well it was going to turn out and obviously it's it's turned into this huge huge thing now and with with this example of of disneyland we might even be able to instead of impossible just say never before done unprecedented uh because yes. disneyland hadn't been done something like like that hadn't been done and so you could say it's fun to do the it's fun to do what's never been done the, or the unprecedented or you know impossible you, it, it's kind he of as yet undone it's it's kind of like a um i don't know what you would say like it, it saying it's fun to do the impossible it's it's not possible to do the impossible so what it's what that quote is really me, means to me is it's fun to do what people say you can't do it's fun to like you know do break what, through barriers yeah, yeah yeah that's what that means to me mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And by the way, the aforementioned biography is titled uh, Walt Disney, an American Original. I would really recommend it. How much of by, that did you get through? By Bob Thomas. I don't know. I think I went uh, to different chapters. You were jumping around, yeah. Yeah, because it's broken up into years, essentially, sections of years so, and chapters within those sections. But anyway, I've, I've read some of it, and I intend to finish it someday. I read it from front to back. That's just how I operate. But it, it was. I would recommend that to anyone who's interested. Mm-hmm. Um, for, or, I think we've gone enough on, yeah. on that uh, on that path. So, what's your next quote? I have one that kind of interested me because um, I'm into the movies and I'm into sort of what the movies mean. Do I have? Do you have this one? Perhaps I'm thinking I will, but that Maybe. doesn't. That There's doesn't a matter. lot of quotes. Um, movies can and do have tremendous influence in shaping young lives in the realm of entertainment towards the ideals and objectives of normal adulthood. I do not have this quote. Okay. I like this one because, and I write, I've i written down sentences as well. The one I wrote down for this is, 
using cartoon and, and specifically cartoon animals um, oftentimes, at least in the early days, to show us what it means to be human. Would you mind reading the quote again for me, please? Yes. Movies can and do have tremendous influence in shaping young lives in the realm of entertainment towards the ideals and objectives objectives of normal adulthood. Mm-hmm. So what I wrote down is using cartoon animals to show us what it means to be human. And that was actually, I think, something they sort of touched on very, very briefly in the first episode of the Imagineering story. Um, I think that might actually be what the narrator said was... Um, using cartoons to show maybe animals and cartoons to show us what it means to be human and mm, what what that, yeah that sounds familiar yeah and what so i don't think that's an original idea by me but you get the the idea of you know they're using these cartoons to project a certain underlying thing that that makes us all human and i think that's what speaks to us through these movies and at least what speaks to me you know you watch a movie like lion king and there's something you know, there's a lot of animals that talk walking around, but there's something that's very human about the story. Um, and that reaches yes. children, I think, specifically. I don't have the specifics, but there were other quotes about movies. Now, I found a website that was like 107 quotes of Walt Disney, and I'm sure... Yeah, I've seen that page. I think a lot of people probably have. And so it's broken up into different Types categories. Quotes, yeah. So, you know, quotes on life, quotes on Disneyland movies, and so on. Um and there was one or two or even three that mentioned the word caricature. So what you're talking about, being able to use animated characters, animals even, to convey human emotion requires caricature. Even if you have people like the, the dwarves, let's say, in yeah. some dwarves. Uh, to make a caricature, how would you define a caricature? It's an extreme example of a certain it's an aspect of life. It's an exaggeration of, of life, of, yeah. of qualities of life. Of a certain quality. And that's actually pretty stark in in the, the dwarves, yeah. actually, so like if, if you separated. got a caricature painting of you, and you had uh, maybe a larger-than-average nose, they might emphasize it in... or. Something like that. It depends on who's doing it, but yeah, if you have particularly bushy or, eyebrows, or your your hair is a, a certain way, maybe that's yeah. like a lot of the. It's just an exaggeration of qualities that you have, or that you are a part of you. Um, yeah. So caricature and telling the stories. That's what speaks to everybody, but children, most maybe most importantly, I don't know. I think uh, perhaps most importantly, but and, and there's other things that talk about you know adults being like children in many ways um i think that i still watch the lion king and you can take certain things out of it or um i don't know whatever movies aladdin and snow white peter pan i think that let's go through all of them pinocchio <laughs> fantasy okay we should start chronologically to make sure we can uh, okay uh, so what's the number one allison economy comedies so i think that uh i think that you gave up quick th- that's that's how the movies that's that's a big part of why the movies speak to me is because I've, I've noticed that over the past. That's something I've observed, um, not just in Disney movies, but in movies and TV shows in general, that the movies that really speak to us tell us something about ourselves, I think. Movies and, mm-hmm. and TV mm-hmm. series tell, tell us something about ourselves and, and you know, humanity as a whole, I think. And that's something that Walt Disney, I think, understood. And... I think Snow White is a great example for a lot of the quotes that we're going to have today because it it was as yet undone in the way that it was. So the yes. story was complete in this way, and that is what spoke to people. People were in tears leaving the theater 
watching this film because they related to the characters. Well, and this is not an original thought, but you know, a lot of these stories they don't make any they don't make any sense on face value. Like they're not something that would actually happen. You know, uh, Snow White's this way, but you know, uh, Peter Pan's that way. Like people are flying around, and uh, Pinocchio's that way. There's a wooden doll. They're all that way. So they're all caricatures, you know, because they're all extremes. They're not real events, but they still speak. They they're that way for children. I think specifically because that's what's most digestible to them because it's sort of fantastical if that makes any sense. Well, do you think it's why do you think it's more digestible? I have an idea of why, but I'm curious what you have I to don't think. know. Like we like say. I just find that uh, my daughter is is much more for whatever reason amenable to a wooden puppet a movie about a wooden puppet than she is about just a person like people like that's for whatever reason and this is obviously um sort of uh what, what's the word it's just an example i'm drawing from my personal life it's not statistical in any way or well, I, no i think you you have a good point which is that children they have they don't have a good grasp on the element of films for adults let's say that is perhaps most important which is the language People communicate with language, but they don't often use the the facial expressions that you'll see in these animated films. Yes. that's where the exaggeration comes. Yeah. And that's a different that's a form point. of communication. Yeah, that's a good body that's language. A good point. You know, Children can read that definitely. They read it from their parents. They read it in the films, and they sort of go back and they probably feed each other. So what they see in a film, they see in their parent, and vice versa. Yeah. No. So I I think that that's that's a good point. Is you're able to with these cartoons. It, exaggerate things to convey them more easily to children who don't have as much life experience they don't get the nuances of like well and they they can still communicate but they just do it differently and so adults used to be children so they they'll still get that communication there's still people um but now the children can also come along for the ride there was this quote in the imagineering story that a newscaster had that he said it was after walt had passed and he said that walt disney knew that there wasn't a lot of adult in every child, but there was a lot of child in every adult. And I think that's a little bit of what we're talking about here, where children can't really grasp the things that adults can, but um, adults were once children. And that's, I think, why these movies still work for adults if they're done well. And um, and children, they really speak to. Well, children can grasp what adults can, but it's it's different. Like, they, they're capable of communicating and, and the way they absorb it it's just not going to be language or yeah nuance in the language or maybe a, a look that, yeah like a like a sideways glance or something they're not going to pick well, up they, on and they might even pick up on that but it that coupled with the language might actually mean something else so there's definitely more nuance that adults yeah. pick up on but this way that we're speaking about everyone is everyone's there got it yeah all right so my next one is in, in line with this, so we can keep talking about the movies. And the quote is, um, for every laugh, there should be a tear. Ah. And the little sentence that I came up with to describe this was telling a complete story. So they started out with the Alice comedies and the Mickey, well, the Oswalds and the Mickey shorts and whatnot, all these shorts. Yeah. 
they sort of they lacked character development they didn't they were mostly gag centered where it was funny things happening and that was sort of the point i mean even when walt made cartoons i forget in some newspaper maybe for his school uh i think in missouri it doesn't really matter at this point like those cartoons are supposed to be funny first you know they're not supposed yeah. to take you on a complete journey through these different emotions and again snow white is our first glimpse people were people were in tears from the film but it's also funny or lighthearted, if you will. Yes. It doesn't have to be a laugh-out-loud funny, but basically humorous. Balanced. Yes. And Pinocchio, there's all sorts of emotions in that one. I, I listed a few emotions, but also types of stories. So there's action, there's humor, we have sadness, fear, love, joy, and whimsy. It's, I mean, there's probably even more than that. But, I mean, that's why those stories are so good, because of the the balancing act that's it's paid it's uh how would you say well it's they make an effort to make sure that everything is there well there's stakes involved too like in this story where you know like ribeye a couple of t-bones yes yeah. there's stakes in a story that's that has consequences and, and yeah depth yeah yeah well because it's not it's not quite the same as say in the mickey short where things can happen that are violent but it's not going to there's no consequences from that violence. Yeah. Not really. But if Snow White is poisoned, there's a consequence. Yeah. She doesn't just bounce back. Yeah. If you that's make where, a mistake, it matters. And that's where you go beyond the gag. The gag lets you come back and continue to be, you get your arm chopped off or whatever. You pull it out of your own, your own. like in Spon- that SpongeBob episode when he just pulls his arms out, right? Yeah, and he, he keeps pulling them out. And he eats it from a popcorn bucket. Like, yeah. it's, that's a gag. That's not a balanced story, but that's whatever. You get the point. Yeah, there's gags throughout Snow White, um, but in the end, the mistakes—the the mistake that she ultimately makes—matters, and it, and it, it, and it, there's consequences for that. So, I agree. I think that that's what makes a balanced story. Yeah. So, in in the way that the caricature and animation and animals and can, can communicate to children, it's important what they're communicating. And then it's not just yeah. these gags, which are entertaining, but maybe not going to last and stay with you when you leave. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you might not remember all those gags when you leave, but you will remember the. You know, Although sort we of we did of just story. recall the gag, but uh, yeah, I mean that we've seen that countless times. Yeah, I, I'm I'm talking about the first watch. You know. Yeah, you're not necessarily going to remember that funny thing. It's that not happened. as impactful for sure. Yeah, certainly not. Although our favorite movie is full of gags, one of our or one of our favorites. Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. What's one of your favorites? One of my favorites? The, well, the the mahogany thing is really good. You'd say that's a gag? To me, that's just a joke. Well, okay. Well, a gag the, to me includes physical I guess, elements, too. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know. There's all kinds well, of... Well, I guess when they when she, you know, is going to break down the door made of mahogany, Yeah. Uh, she tumbles down the, all the way down the mountain. Yes, that's, that's a gag. Good. That's a gag to me. Yeah. I don't have a... I actually don't have a... a a the point is that movie might be it. a little less balanced, but it's still great. Is all I was saying. But, but in in the catalog of Disney films, it's more balanced yes. in the direction that we're talking. No, about. No, even so, that movie has stakes, big time. So. Yeah. All right. Sort of in line with this, I guess. This is kind of an offshoot, but I would rather entertain and hope that people learn something than educate people and hope they were entertained. And I think you see this a lot in Disneyland, actually, which is part of why I. I wanted to to bring it up, but I think that it's something that 
is sort of present in in a lot of Disney uh, entertainment, but most notably probably Disneyland. I, I mean that I think you see it. I think it's subtle, but I, I I think it's there in in you know classic attractions like even the Tiki Room, and um, it's Small World, Carousel of Progress. I think that entertainment's first, but there is that sort of underlying education, um, even in the, the the sort of less educational attractions that are more supposed to be entertaining. I think that there is sort of an, an underlying education to, to a lot of the more classic attractions. I think there's a lesson to be learned in a lot of these things. I'm, I'm thinking about old Tomorrowlands and if they yeah. went too far in the direction of education over entertainment. Yeah. Which they may have. That could be part of why it didn't always work out. I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. Entertainment over education... Hopefully education gets in there. Yeah. That's interesting. Did you have like a summation quote for your, of the whole thing? I just sort of named things that I think embody this a little bit. And I think I think tiki, the Tiki Room is one that sticks out for me. And I don't know exactly why. I, I, I feel like they're – I don't really know why. I feel like that's an entertaining show, but I feel like it's a sort of rewarding experience as well. Like it's a, a, a full – a full-bodied experience. I don't even know if it really is educational. I guess it isn't, but... I'm struggling to find a part of it that is other than, at one point, one of the birds says he's a macaw because they're macaws. Yeah. Uh, so we know what that is, but we don't. We only vaguely know what that is. Yeah. Well, they, there's a lot of... You learn a lot about uh, island culture. Tangaroa. You know about him. Tangaroa. That's and, true. Um, when you're walking in, they talk about all the gods and maybe all there's that. A, maybe there's a little bit of influence there educationally. You don't quite know what... Like where everything's from, yeah. But there's an influence there. I guess a Polynesian influence. Mm-hmm. So it's not without educational value. I would just call it cultural value. Yeah, and even vague cultural value at that. Undoubtedly, I would say Carousel of Progress falls under this. Um, and I would, and I think Small World too. I think maybe some of these have more lessons though than they do actual like educational value, but. I think that there's something you can take away from a lot of these attractions, even if it's just sort of the um, the art of them, if that makes sense. You Splash know? Mountain. <laughs> yeah, there's there there's well, a lesson to be learned in there, I, I think. Like what? Don't trust a fox ever. Don't trust a brer fox. I well, trusted a lot of foxes before I went on that ride. A lot and of foxy I, foxes. I know what you mean. And I learned through that ride to stop and i've been better off ever since well, what about the lyrics of the song if we're being serious uh, yeah zippity doodah how does it go from there uh, I, for some reason I, i'm blanking my right oh now. my what a wonderful day yeah okay so it's in the direction of looking on the bright side beautiful sunshine yeah appreciating what's what's in front of you if it's a nice day hey it's it's a great day outside home sweet home is the lesson today that's at the end of the ride i think that well, means I think that would mean something along the lines of appreciate what you have. The, gra- the grass isn't always greener, maybe. That's what yeah. you can take from that. Gratitude. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. so that's a lesson. <laughs> yeah. What about Winnie the Pooh? Oh, man. Gluttony. <laughs> we, yeah, avoid that deadly sin. Yeah. Okay, Tom Sawyer Island. <laughs> Pirates. Okay, we definitely don't have to go through all these. Pirates for fun. Um, yeah. Pirates were fun? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's a good one. Hmm. 
No, but you yeah. see what I'm saying. I, I think that there's something underlying in every attraction. Like, entertainment comes first, but, well, but you can. I think what this means for me is you can learn something while being entertained. You can't necessarily be entertained while learning something. I don't. Not, I don't. I haven't seen. So we're in Disneyland right now talking about this, but there's plenty of other areas to go in the the Disney Company with Walt involved, and that is. Uh, yeah, we, we were talking about Splash Mountain and Winnie the Pooh. He wasn't involved in those. but uh, Well, I think it still permeates the, the company to an extent. But I'm thinking of the True Life Adventure documentary shows where essentially the animals were given names and there was a story told through it. And I don't know how educational they are necessarily, but you probably, I should, I'm guessing, and I should watch because they're on Disney Plus now. Uh, I'm guessing that you do learn which animals are which and where they are in the world geographically if not other things like how uh the mother typically treats the the uh the babies that she has and and that kind of thing the dynamic in the relationship that's actually real uh so that kind of thing is entertaining for sure i mean it wouldn't it would have it probably would have flopped if not for the entertainment value i think and it was sort of one of the first nature documentaries too so it was it wasn't unprecedented from what i remember uh reading about it but it was one of those things that was sort of new yeah yeah and i think that's actually a good example um i th- i when i hear that quote or when i read it i think more of of disneyland but i i think that that's just an entire philosophy so well he only had so much time with disneyland so that's yeah. why i was trying to branch out a little bit yeah is in movies is there much there's plenty to be learned from the stories of these films definitely yeah i mean even if we can't pinpoint it right now you you just know it when you watch them there's all sorts of things to learn so yeah movies for sure those documentaries even disneyland yeah there's entertainment probably first first and foremost and then something of value that you can take away with it that's the educational part yep okay okay so i only have one left but you have a few more, so maybe I've we got, can keep going. Yeah, we can do maybe three more total. So this one is to do with uh, Disneyland. And he said, Whenever I go on a ride, I'm always thinking of what's wrong with the thing and how it can be improved. It seems like you might have had this quote. I actually didn't write it down okay. just because I figured you probably would. Okay. It's your last one, so I guess So my right. my uh, little sentence uh, is sacrificing for the benefit of others. Yeah. And the sacrifice to me was obvious in that he couldn't really enjoy the ride that he was on because he was thinking, hmm, this this could be better. Let's see how we can make it better. Yeah. And that's for other people. And well, go on. You know, I was just going to say, he, he did this, but he also encouraged Imagineers to kind of go in the park and observe through the guests' eyes on, on what was... Uh, you know what could be improved what people were saying how how things were what what was comfortable what wasn't and what what could be plussed in the park yeah yeah so a lot a lot of our own experience all of you listening and, and robert and i it's being in the parks because we want to be there it's fun uh but walt whether parks or movies so to be great at anything you really have to sort of immerse yourself in it. You have to get really close to it to know it deeply. So he did that with his films, but when they were finished, it was basically like, okay, that's it. The film is, let's move on to the next project. But with Disneyland, it's interesting because he said himself that Disneyland would never be completed. Yep. So it's an ongoing project. 
and that's where I think the sacrifice, at least of mental energy, uh, comes in because he's always thinking about it in some way. And maybe maybe that permeated his life outside of work. I don't know, but uh, it certainly affected him by this quote. Yeah. Um, and I have to imagine that it took a lot of mental energy to come up with the ideas he had and then to implement them. Yeah, it, it would. I've thought about this with like TV shows and things like that. Like the people who create them don't necessarily get to enjoy them the same way you and I get to, because you already know what's going to happen, and on top of that, you know all the ins and outs of. I was listening to a podcast recently. Uh, this fellow Pete Holmes has Pete Holmes has a show on HBO called Crashing, and he also has a podcast. So I was listening to him. This was probably a few months ago, just after the season aired, and he was saying that when he, after making that show, when he watches other shows, he's always thinking, "Oh, they they probably did it like this with the camera, and yeah. oh, the, you know, that scene was probably really difficult to film." And so he wasn't enjoying himself quite in, in the same way. Yeah, everything sort of became a little bit more mechanical. Now that's yeah. what I'm saying, and I think that was probably true. Um, but maybe Walt also had a quality where he could step back from it and say, this is really great, Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I think he appreciated it. I, I, I think there's all sorts of things that uh, are different about him, so it wouldn't surprise me that to, to find out that he, he was able to be analytical and sort of uh, critical, but also able to enjoy it in that way. I think he enjoyed doing that, too, is the other part of it. I think he enjoyed that sort of analy- that I think that was just part of his whole process. Yeah seems that way and i think that what we enjoy about the parks is the result of his sacrifice of his time yeah possibly with his family i'm not sure uh he had an, he had a quote where he mentioned it not you know sacrificing everything for family yeah i mean because you need family is important you have you can't yeah. neglect them mm-hmm. in pursuit of the business or whatever uh but even still i'm just imagine how often he was working in all his projects. Yeah. I mean, that kind of commitment is definitely sacrificial. Definitely. hundred percent. Whether you have a family to tend to or not, really. Even yeah. if it's just your free time, but he did have a family. Yep. This quote is you, kind of a big one. Oh, your next quote? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have anything else on yours? I don't think so. If I do, we'll come back. I just, I, I like this one. I hadn't really seen it before because I've I've seen a lot of these in the past. You know, these ones that we're bringing up, I've at least seen them, whether I brought them up or not. Um, but this one I hadn't seen, and it is, uh, it's it's kind of long, so bear with me. Somehow I can't believe there are any heights that can't be scaled by a man who knows the secret of making dreams come true. This special secret, it seems to me, can be summarized in four C's. They are curiosity, confidence courage and consistency and the greatest of these is confidence when you believe a thing believe it all the way implicitly and unquestionably and uh, i i've heard that last sentence before but i haven't heard the what what precedes it um with well, the, the i'm sorry C's. could you repeat the last sentence there yeah it's just uh when you believe in a thing believe it all the way oh yeah implicitly and unquestionably Mm-hmm. Well, I'd, I'd heard that quote to the first part. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm going to be that guy. But you said consistency. I think the word was actually constancy. I'm not sure that they're all that different, but think about constancy. It is constancy. I just, yeah, yeah you're right. But I, I think they're similar, but I think constancy means basically that you're just constantly on it. Yeah, going um, going after it all the time. And the consistency is probably the same. Yeah. 
But anyway, the quote is is that. Um, I actually really like that quote. Yeah, it's a good I, one. I remember those four C's. I forget what they all are right now. But I, when I thought about courage earlier and I was talking about that, I remembered that quote. And confidence. And he says that's the biggest one. So just to reiterate the C's, it's curiosity, confidence, courage, and constancy. I almost said consistency again. That's a weird word. I don't know that I've ever seen before. Well, uh, yeah, I've heard of it before. It might have only been from Walt Disney. Yeah. like It's, it's one of those words I think more people used years ago that yeah. maybe they don't use so much anymore yeah yeah we got some music going on next door <laughs> if that's coming through i don't know yeah it's uh, probably not okay well anyways the point is this this is a good quote it's long uh but i i like this one a lot this is one of, actually i think it's my favorite of the ones that i i came up with so what about you how do you how do you the, the end of it is the one you see the most when you believe in a thing Believe in it all the way, implicitly and unquestionably. I guess that speaks to confidence. Uh, sort of having the the confidence well, that you're... Confidence, yes. Trust. Uh, and as a consequence, the removal of significant doubt. So I think that's where or we are with that. crippling doubt. Right? Like crippling... Um, uh, doubting yeah, yourself no, to the point... I, I don't... I wouldn't use such a harsh term as... A strong term as crippling. Well, if if you're doubting yourself to the point where you're just not moving forward. Well, signif- that would be significant doubt. If it's significant if it's getting in the way. Yeah. Little doubts here and there like, oh, are we going to get the money for this or... Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, it's natural to have that, but you could still get over it in relatively short time. Mm-hmm. So... Well, if your lack of confidence is paralyzing, I, su- I suppose. Maybe keeping you from moving forward yeah again strong word i don't know that walt was anywhere near a paralyzing no he wasn't and that's the point and that's the whole point that i'm making is that he was constantly just he had constancy he was constantly and he was (laughs) yeah he was getting after it um yeah that's a good one i have another one that you hear a lot um actually but it's and it might be the most famous quote um i like this one too though and I'm just going to say it, even though everyone's probably heard it. Say it, don't spray it. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> nope. We keep moving forward, opening new doors, and doing new things. Because we're curious, and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. Uh, I think that's a really good quote. Curiosity killed the cat, you know. I know. But Classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you tell us where that quote came from. Where that quote? Oh, the one we just said? The reference we just no, did. No, Nightmare Before Christmas. I Everyone don't want you that. to... That was for the audience, bud. Oh, I thought you... You're talking uh, Okay, that's fine. Um, that's a pretty good quote, I guess. We use that... I, we put that on our podcast... Biography or what we in, in, in the it? Apple Description. In the Apple Podcast. Yeah. I, iTunes Store. Yeah. Yes. Now, that's a good quote. It's also in uh, Meet the Robinsons, which you have yet to see. That's true. I've yet to see it. Yeah, but it is in there. Like it's they they put it at the end of the film. That was that movie. In some ways, the ideals of that movie are are an ode to Walt, and um, and so they uh, put that quote at the end of the film. Actually, in that film, the one of the main characters' uh, phrases or his kind of go-to phrases keep moving forward, and that's from this kind of from this quote or inspired by it. Yeah, so. and uh, it seems like once you get the wheels moving, the momentum has started. And if you can keep, if you can maintain the constancy, 
then uh, eventually, assuming you are working hard, you'll probably get to the goal that you're after. Well, and, and if I, you don't, remember, maybe a kick in the teeth or a failure is exactly what you needed. Keep moving forward because you never know when the game is over, let's say. You might think, oh, man, I just missed this opportunity. Well, guess what? The game is probably not over. Keep playing. Or even if Go. you don't get the thing that you're moving towards, maybe you get something along the way. Maybe if you don't get what you want, you get what you need type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, if, if, you're not, if you don't get what you're initially aiming at, just aiming at a at something and moving towards it might you might stumble upon something else along the way that that you can achieve or that you that you might yes. need and then yes and then to keep going forward will you can keep that lesson you learned but also move in whatever direction is most suitable at that time yeah mhm what do you think Walt's favorite movie renaissance film would have been um, I, you asked me this before. Uh, I I think I actually said Beauty and the Beast. I th- have I think the same thing. That's what I think. But that's kind of a cheat because he already had ideas for that story. He had a lot of ideas. I he I I which felt is, which like is, he, go on. Sorry, go on. I felt like he also might like Pocahontas just because of the some the music, the message, the the sort of imagery they use. I, I thought maybe he'd be intrigued by that. Yeah, I was gonna say is he. I don't know that he would, I mean, realistically, it could never happen that he could have an opinion on it that we could know. Yeah. Um, but he had his own ideas for the story. So for all we know, they butchered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It's not at all what he intended. It's kind of like, like Epcot. It's the Epcot like, of movies. <laughs> yeah. And they say, don't meet your heroes. Maybe don't ask your heroes about, yeah. you know, posthumously what their opinions are. Yes. Okay, so we won't ask him that question. We but I actually like your thought about Pocahontas. I, I wonder, because there's history involved, whether it's completely accurate or not doesn't quite matter. I, I, f- I feel um, like it wouldn't be like a Lion King or, or any... I, I feel like it would be sort of off the board. That's that, and, and for reasons that... Why that, do you think? I don't know. I, when I hear him say things that he... When I've read quotes of him, and he had a very unique way of looking at things, and I just feel like he'd find something about the music or he'd find something about the imagery or the lesson learned from the film or the, or a specific character that he enjoyed. Um, and I, I just think he would have a unique perspective. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm thinking that he would want to, well, if he were involved, it seems like part of who he was, was to try something new, not necessarily for the sake of trying something new, but if it served the overall goal of the Mm -hmm. project. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of which films maybe tried something that was unique and sort of a little bit out of the box from those Renaissance films. Yeah, um, I'm not sure because they're all they're all a similar formula. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think I think Beauty and the Beast is probably the one, but maybe Little Mermaid. He he worked on that one or had ideas for that one too. Well, yeah, yeah, that's also why I said that. Um, yeah, I mean, you never know what his plans were. No. So the movies from the Renaissance, they're similar, but they, they have a unique style too. As long and, as we're on this topic, what do you think he would uh, like about Pixar films of them? I, I think he would love Toy Story. I do. I think, but I also think that the technologically he would love the, just the idea of it. You know what I mean? The I, Not quite. What do you mean? Like the sort of, the technological advancement that allowed Pixar to make movies the way they do. The, the computer animation. Okay, that's what I thought you meant, but it wasn't 
It wasn't quite clear the way you said it, but yeah, I think that that's what would interest him. The and you know what, he might have been at the forefront of the uh, the push towards computer animation. Whether he would be the guy or one of the few people uh, at the at the beginning of that movement, and then now it's a reality for all of us. What ride that he had nothing to do with? Do you think he would enjoy most? Well, um, there's so many. Uh, where <laughs> Disneyland? We'll say Disneyland. Not, we'll, not 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 Disney California Adventure. Well, or the whole resort. We'll do the resort. Are you sure? Because he had nothing to do with that second park. That's what I'm saying. It, it has to be right. He had nothing to do with. Well, that's not what you're saying because then we can include every other single park that there is. In if we go with Disneyland, in those two parks at the resort, he, I'm saying that he only had his hands in one park, Disneyland yeah. Park. Mm-hmm. So why why are we including DCA okay. and not? disney world he actually had ideas for disney world okay so we'll just say i mean if we do know that but i don't know about dca that second park yeah um no he had he had dca plotted out for for years i think uh for beers yes uh that's why there's alcohol out in that park yep little known fact in quotes um let's see i think his favorite ride would probably be that he didn't, he wasn't involved in. Yeah, had no pre-planning or anything. Gadget's go coaster. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just buying time. I'm trying to think about it. I mean, maybe, maybe Splash Mountain. Uh, no, there's got to be something more, more interesting than that. I feel like he might have liked Thunder Mountain. Yeah, Thunder Mountain. It's pro- a little thr- I don't know what his opinion was on thrill rides exactly. Well, Indiana the- Jones. That's the one. I actually think that's the one. Maybe. I'm not certain. I mean, we love it, sure. Yeah. But maybe maybe he wasn't too keen on making attractions after movies. That's possible. Which is a point in favor well, of Big Thunder. But he did it with with movies. Okay, which ones? Peter Pan, Mr. Toad. Okay, that's one small area of the park. <laughs> not Pirates, not Haunted Dumbo. Mansion, not uh, Jungle Cruise, not Enchanted Tiki Room, not Small World, not Matterhorn, not Space Mountain, although he didn't finish that one. Um the submarine voyage actually might 20,000 leagues yeah. under the sea yeah uh, but the monorail the trains the main street vehicles ideas taken from a different time but yes yeah, so there are examples i mean there's four or five examples of things that were made after movies point is the trend was in the other direction yeah. maybe maybe it's not a trend but the balance was the scales were tipped in mm-hmm. the direction of uh the sort of original idea or the more archetypal ideas you know haunted yeah. mansion a haunted house pirates pirates pirate lore so on and, and the old west with big thunder he that's why i think he would like that yeah although maybe, maybe he'd like that because it was already something that was sort of there in nature's wonderland mind train through nature's wonderland and before that what was it called doesn't quite matter uh, at this point there's only a few years of it in the first few years of the park but um so he might he might like that one i was uh, my yeah that's where i'm leaning that or Splash Mountain. I don't know about why he would like Splash Mountain the most, though. Smuggler's Run, maybe. <laughs> he might actually. Yeah, maybe. Just like the... the sh- that would actually maybe blow his mind <laughs> just because of like how far advanced that would be for someone of his time. I wonder if he would even be the kind of person to acquire a company like that um a franchise or whatever you call it i've thought about this and i think that perhaps as long as it would allow him to tell original stories using the content i don't i would i would lean no and the reason i I would lean no is because he wasn't in general a fan of 
keeping a story going past its original yeah, film. That's a good point. Uh, and that's another quote that I chose not to pick because, frankly, there's only so much you can talk about that without going into the same rants that we go into about yeah, sequels Yeah, we talk and about remakes. sequels too much. Um, and we've had so many sequel conversations to the sequel conversation. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yes. We've had our, our, every conversation we have about sequels is a sequel in of itself. Indeed. God, we're <laughs> hypocritical. Uh, anyway, uh, I think he would be. I think he would have left Star Wars where it was and ventured out into his own. That's what I think. There's obviously no way to know. Yeah. Well, in, in that vein, does he acquire Pixar? If well, it's that up to him? I mean, maybe because that's like such a technologically like that. I think would have intrigued him maybe so much that he would have wanted to take part in it. It's it's really hard to say because the people who made Pixar, many of them came from Disney. At least John yeah, Lasseter. Good point. So it's hard It's hard to really say what would happen. And that connection might actually be a reason for him to say, oh, okay, let's let's think about taking on this Pixar project. He might have even gotten out ahead of it before it yeah. became... He might have been an investor, frankly, before Steve Jobs was. That's a good point. Um, or they might have... Well, this is getting into the weeds, but yeah. I think he would have been very interested in the computer animation game. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think... That's about all I have to say. Any more interesting questions? That was a, some what good do you questions. Think favorite snack would have been <laughs> I'm just uh, chili. Well, it's chili. That's not a snack, though. It is if you eat a half of if it. If you can't eat it with your if hands, you eat one half of a chili. <laughs> I don't know what measurement that is. Yeah, just eat a few beans. No big deal. Okay. Popcorn. Well, we love Walt, and talking about Walt. He's the inspiration for all of this. So, um, I would like to do another episode later on where we go deeper. Uh, oh, I think we've. I think with this episode, we've let ourselves do more episodes down the road. The way we constructed this works well. We can talk about more down the road and other things in other ways. So, yeah. How do you mean? I don't know yet. We'll have to Are plan. you thinking more quotes? All I'm thinking about is diving into things Walt actually did. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying quotes. I'm saying we did quotes now. We can do something else next time. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. Yes, yes. If that's the kind of thing you do, is look forward to our episodes. And the many thousands of you out there who do listen, many, including, including the Disney executives. The many thousands. And uh, yeah, we know we know that you look forward to it, and we look forward to you looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's that's about all I have to say. <laughs> well, it, that's good, because we're done. So Great. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Yeah, bye-bye.